you have your Bibles, we're going to go to the book of John in chapter 3. There's a passage that most of us have read in here many times over the years, and we've seen it on, on the faces of football players and baseball players, and seen it on the side of sneakers and headbands, and can you all guess what the passage is? John 3, 16. That's the one we all know, but what we're going to focus on this morning is John 3, 17. And um, I wasn't really planning on sharing this passage, but before I go into the message this morning, I felt like I need to read this passage as a preface for what I'm going to be sharing with you this morning. Verse 17 says, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And I'm going to stop here and just dwell for a few minutes. You and I do not understand God's grace the way He does. We can't put it all together. We, it doesn't always add up to where our grace and, and our mercy is or isn't. We have a hard time forgiving our neighbor because their dog comes over into our yard to use the bathroom. We have a hard time forgiving our neighbor whenever or someone who passes us in a way that we think is, is not right. We have these little things that seem to eat us up or that are actually quite trivial. And... Uh, I'm going to wait for all of them to come out before I get into the gist of this. Uh, so they'll be out here in just a second. But I had another point to go to before then. Anyway, God is not out to get us. He's out to do what? Save us, deliver us, work in our lives, change us from the inside out, right? right. As we patiently wait, right? Yeah. He'll be here in a minute. This morning we're going to go to the book of Genesis where I'm going to be speaking from. We were in a meeting this past Thursday night talking about threshold. And I'm going to read to you what the term threshold means. And I think it will maybe speak into our hearts a little bit about what's going to happen here this week as we begin to um, reach out to families and individuals. Threshold, the magnitude or intensity that must be exceeded for a certain reaction, phenomenon, result, or condition to occur or be manifested. And I'm going to read this again. Often we think of the term threshold, we think of a doorway, you open the door and step through it and that's the threshold. But I'll read this again because what we're going to be doing this Thursday night is going to go along with the message this morning. And threshold the magnitude or intensity that must be exceeded for a certain reaction, a phenomenon or result or condition to occur or be manifested. This Thursday night, we're going to open this up, and this isn't something that we come in and share our dirty laundry and people leave the room and begin to share the dirty laundry with others. But I know there are people in this place that have struggles and battles within their mind and within their heart that they are uncomfortable sharing with anyone else. Or we think, well, I've been going to church there for five years, and, and I still battle this, I still struggle this, or this is going on with my kids, and this is going on with a spouse, maybe my husband or my wife. And, and so we feel like we can't go and open up because everyone's going to think horrible of us. And this is the deal. A few weeks ago, I spoke a message on Sunday night, the difference between sin and iniquity. There are times in the lives of believers that we battle sin, but we do not dwell in iniquity. We do not live in iniquity. This is something that's predominantly in our life all the time. And so what we're doing on Thursday nights is we're giving you opportunity to come through some other people that walk in imperfections. 
to be really be honest with you, every one of us could be there Thursday night. But we walk in imperfections, and because of our imperfections, we need encouragement. We need to speak. We need advice. We need direction. Uh, another thing we're going to be doing here in the in the month of April, April twenty eighth. I believe it is on a Saturday morning at 10 o'clock till 2 in the afternoon. We're going to have a couple come in and we're having a marriage encounter. It's just going to be a time for two hours. They sit and talk and they'll lead us and, and discuss issues between husbands and wives and what's happened in communication, what's happened in intimacy and, and things that's went wrong within our lives and within our marriages and the attacks that we have on the outside. And then after that, we're going to break up and the women will go to one group and the men will go to the other to try to get to the bottom of some things, maybe in dealing with parenting, or dealing with issues as us as a man or uh, ladies himself. And, and so we're trying to do things in our church to strengthen our bodies, strengthen who we are. But friend, we cannot be victorious if we're always walking around as wounded warriors and always going through life thinking, I'm the only one that's dealing with this. I'm the only one that battles this. I'm the only one that ever has a slip up or has an issue that I'm actually just tempted with. Because in all reality, we all have things we battle to some degree. But on Thursday nights, we're opening this up. And that's what I'm going to be talking about this morning, Threshold. The intensified thing that before we can get through something, it has to be either revealed, it has to have a supernatural transformation, something has to happen before we break through the threshold and we go from where we have been to where we need to be. Does that make sense? And I really feel like that we as a church, you know, Scripture says confess your faults one to another. Now, I don't have a little booth and you don't come into me through the week and come in and sit down beside me and confess your faults, but we do have the ability in a group of believers that we encourage each other, we pray for each other, we challenge each other in our walk, that we don't have to live in the disabled way that we've been. How many of you notice I'm walking funny this morning? That is not part of my sermon. That's part of whatever's wrong with my knee. But we all are disabled to a degree when we depend on ourselves. So this morning what I want to share with you is about addictions and appetites. Appetites are the things that we continue to feed. But at some point, the appetite will leave from being an appetite, and it will turn into an addiction. An appetite is something that you have cravings for, something that you deal with. And I can give you a whole list of topical things, from homosexuality to perversion to alcohol to uh, overeating pizza or maybe sweets. Or maybe you're a chocoholic or, or, or maybe just eating too much or, or, or a variety of it. Maybe gambling is your issue and it, and it drives you insane because... Every time you have extra money, you want to run to Cape, or you, you want to run to Carothersville, or, or you want to run down to Onago and buy you some, some tickets because gambling has become compulsive. At one time, it was just an appetite. You did it at work because everybody done it. We throw three bucks a weekend. We're all trying to get rich, get lucky, whatever. And then all of a sudden, it became more intense, and it turns into addiction. So, so that's what we're going to be sharing this morning. So in the book of Genesis, if you will go there with me, in chapter 4. Everything starts somewhere. If you've ever uh, been through something as a small child that you were innocent in and, and somebody introduced you to something or somebody uh, warped the way you think because of something they introduced into your life, it still started with something, whether it was uh, purposely driven or it was something placed upon you, it had a beginning. 
And at that beginning, the enemy loves to get those little appetites going in our lives. And some of you may have grown up in a home that, that everybody drinks. You know, everybody pops a, a can of beer and they drink it with supper. And, and some people may be able to handle that. But most of us, once we start down that road, it begins to dominate us. It may be a, a language thing. It could be a variety of issues that started off with an appetite. Let me go back in time. Whenever uh, I was a young man, I had an appetite. And um, if it wasn't for God's grace, it would have consumed me. And the appetite that I had was, was for girls. From the time I was six years old, I had a girlfriend. And she was usually 16 or 17 because, you know, I just thought they were cute or whatever. And they patted me on the head, you know. But we all have these little infatuations. But the issue is this. If those things, we do not remain and keep them as appetites intact, they will grow into things that they shouldn't be. Are you with me? And so as we go into this verse here in chapter, chapter 4 of, of Genesis, and I'm going to read this. Um, I'd like for someone to, actually, I'm going to just kind of quote it out of the um, NIV, I believe, yeah, the NIV, but we'll get to that in a minute. Verse 5 says this, <clears throat> But Cain, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is your countenance fallen? And what was going on here is that him and his brother Abel had, had presented sacrifices. They both knew the rules. Now, how many of us have got mad at our parents and we knew the rules? And yet we blame our parents. The other brother, the other sister to get in trouble, but you did because they're always picking on you. They're always looking for the negative side of you. They always expect something out of you that they don't expect out of them. And it becomes this cycle that gets in here. And what happens is there's something that begins to get in the crawl of a young person. And that's what we see here with Cain. Cain developed an appetite for doing things his own way. And when you begin to say, I'll do things the way I want and I will not listen to authority. And I will not listen to somebody that's over me. And I will do it however I like to do it. You are stepping into a place of rebellion. And when you get into that rebellion, you begin to develop an appetite. And you begin to like that rebellion. And you like that chip on your shoulder. And you like the way you walk. And you like the way you intimidate others. And you get in other people's business. That becomes part of your nature. What you don't understand is what addictions begin to attach themselves to the attitude and the appetites that you begin to develop. So just stay with me for a few minutes. <clears throat> Doing things his way, rebellion, resistance to being taught or led, doing things the way that he's seen fit without listening to proper authority. Failure to consider the impact on anyone else from the decisions that are made. Appetite, a fed way of thinking or a way of living which only supports your personal appetite, not how it affects anyone else. One of the biggest indications of someone who lives in a way that's immature is the decisions they make are always about them. It's about their convenience. It's about what they want. It's about where they want to eat. It's about what they want to do. That is an appetite that is turned into something that can also become addictive. And we'll get into addictive things in just a little bit. <clears throat> what happens when people get into the place of, of verse 7? And, and verse 7 says that, uh, If thou doest well, shall you not be accepted? And if you do not well... And thou doest not, doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto you shall be his desire, and thou shall have, but you shall have rule over him. And this is what it says in NIV. In NIV it says, sin is crouching at the door. 
Now let me, I want you to really think about yourself because you may not have come to church this morning thinking about appetites and, and maybe addictions, but I'll tell you this. Every one of us has something crouching that's always laying there. It's always there that can jump and pounce if we allow it. But the thing is, it may be there, but we have to be aware of it. And if these things are always there and we're always having to deal with an appetite, once you begin to give in, then it turns into addictive behavior. Now I'm going to go into a variety of addictions here in just a few minutes. His decision sent him into the land of Nod. Now there's a lot of history and teaching a little bit on this land of Nod and, and the symbolic things of him going to the land of Nod and where he went and, and the, the mark that was placed upon him. But selfish appetites always create dysfunction. Now I want you to stay with me on this as well. You may think you have a dysfunctional family. And if you do, it is because appetites are based on personal want instead of what's needed for the family. Dysfunction always comes from improper appetites. You know, there are certain things I like, and I could eat a lot of them. How many of y'all know what those uh, drumsticks are? You get them at on the uh, town, the country, or, or at dollar store or Walmart, whatever Walmart that is, and it has the little sugar cone, a ball on top, chocolate that's dipped in nuts. How many of y'all know what? The, how many of y'all could eat more than one of those? I could eat a box of six of those. I could. I could eat a box. How many of y'all know what raspberry Twinkies are with the coat? With the, yeah, yeah, you know, it's a sin if I don't eat at least three. Now, this is the thing. I've learned, I've learned something that when I go to get one in the pantry, honey, I'm going to confess a, a big thing about raspberry Twinkies. But I may go in there and come out with two, but I eat one before I get out of the pantry. All right, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's an appetite. It's something that I enjoy. All right, how many of y'all have those same things? How many of you, you know, are supposed to only get two dips of butter pecan and you get six, right? How many of y'all know Buddy Heaton? Buddy Heaton could take a half a gallon of ice cream and eat the whole thing in one setting. Not anymore. That was back in the day, but he might still could. I don't know, but he used to could. Selfish appetites create dysfunction. If my whole diet was based on raspberry Twinkies and those drumstick ice creams, I would have more than gout. This doesn't come from Twinkies and ice cream. This comes from something else stupid that I don't even know what I'm doing. It's making it, but it comes from something. But dysfunction is the issue. And I want you to think just for a minute. You're in church, man. You may be here every week, but your family has become dysfunctional. It is always divided. It is always an issue. What is going on and what you're doing, stop looking at everybody else in the family. Because instantly, when I begin to talk about appetites, we instantly begin to think about everybody else but us. This morning's message is not about your spouse, it's not about your kids, it's about you. Until you and I begin to recognize the appetites that we have and it's affecting others, friends, it'll always be dysfunctional. I want peace in my home. I want peace in my family. What's dysfunctional? And what am I doing in part of the dysfunction? It creates dysfunction in families, it also creates dysfunction in the individual life. You see... The man or woman who nothing ever seems to go right and everything always seems to go bad. We shared this last week, but that it's always that way is a person who has appetites that are not normal or things that are excessive. Now, is there anything wrong with those drumsticks? Absolutely not. They're pretty healthy. They have ice, they have milk in them, nuts, they have chocolate from the cocoa bean. They're pretty healthy. The Twinkies are really good. They have natural coconut. Okay, there's nothing healthy about them. Is there anything wrong with having one or 
or two? Probably not. But when you get into three in the morning and three in the evening, you're starting to get an excessive. Why? Because your appetite's wrong. And what's happened, we've so whetted our appetites to do just what we want. Folks, this isn't, the reason I start off with John 3, 17, is God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. This message this morning is not about this. This message this morning is about this. What is it? What is it that my appetite is in places it shouldn't be? And what has become compulsive enough to me? And some of you, if you will think, your appetite is turned into addiction. Because the more you eat it, the more you do it, the more you get com- com- possessed by it or, or compelled by it, it becomes addictive. And that's when we get into a complete train wreck in life. Many in this room have suffered from lifestyles of other people, not just yourself, but other people's appetites. The reality of appetite is that they grow and they develop into addictions. <clears throat> and then the addiction begins to rule you. Okay, I can control my appetite. Because when I go down to the dollar store, and I'll be honest with you, I look for those raspberry, this was not part of the message, but I did look for them last night. They didn't have any when I went and got the drumsticks with the ice cream and the nuts on top. I did go get those, and those are off because London wanted them, right, Wanda? London wanted them. And so I went and got those, and I did look for the raspberry ones, and they didn't have any. And uh, so I came home without them. The problem is this. Oh, I may eat three at a time sometime, but I don't sit and eat a whole box. But if I didn't have the sense to recognize it, I would buy three boxes at a time. And I would keep one in my truck. Now, is there a stash of food in my office? Absolutely. There is. And it may be nuts. It may be candy. It may be those Lay's stackable chips in a container, uh, peanut butter crackers. There's little things in there. And that doesn't mean you can go in there if you're hungry. But it means that Blakely in London can go in there and pilfer through and get whatever they want. Okay. The difference is this, there are things that become addictive because we allowed our appetite to get rampant on them. And yes, I could be addicted to raspberry Twinkies. Now let me ask you, I'm dealing with food. And some of us may be addicted to foods. There may be things that we just eat and we gorge ourselves and gorge ourselves, and it's wrong. Go to 2 Samuel, if you will. This morning we were talking about order in Sunday school, and, and Brother Bill brought it up. And, and one of the things that's so important about, about order is um, without it, you have what? You have chaos. And in your life and in my life, We're going to go to 2 Samuel chapter 13. Um, without order, nothing works right. If um, Let me just give you, for instance, this morning in, in worship, if, if Joe's over here and he's playing on a bass, he's playing uh, uh, Jesus Loves Me, and Nick goes over here and he starts playing Amazing Grace, and Kyle gets over here and he starts playing uh, Jump by Van Halen, and... and Linda's over here playing Bee Gees something with the Bee Gees. And then Luke's over here playing uh, um, Peter Frampton. I don't know what anything he sings, but that guy played guitar real good back in the 70s. And, and they're all playing different things. What do we have? A, a mess. But when they all get in the same key, playing the same thing with the same purpose, it's amazing how well it sounds. 
It's the same way in your life and mine. When we get things out of kilter where they shouldn't be, they begin to dominate us. <clears throat> I'm going to give you a, a story in the scripture about a guy who became addicted. He was out of control. Let me just stop here for a minute. Um, I'm going to talk to you. I'm, I'm going to list a lot of things that people get addicted to. And I know a lot of you have had addictions to these things. I know you. You've shared with me. You know, I've watched your life. I know where you've been. And no, in no way is this a, a time where we are bashing anyone that's had an addiction. Not at all. But we have to be made aware and recognize where we have addictions, we have to do something or our addiction has us. Andy Stanley, I'm going to give you a quote from Andy Stanley. He said this, You will either rule it or it will rule you. Now, folks, that's a quote you need to write down from Andy Stanley, pastors in Georgia. You will either rule it or it will rule you. There is no half and half. There is no holding hands. There is no common ground. That's the way it works. So I begin to think about addictions, and a lot of them are a variety of things. And uh, your telephone very possibly could be a huge addiction. If it is attached to your belly button, you know you've got a bad problem. And some of us, that's exactly how we live. It is our life source. The Internet is something else. You can't stay off of it. Every moment that you're awake, you're on the stinking Internet shopping, doing something. Alcohol is another one. Alcohol is so common and, and it's so easy and easy accessible. A lot of people wink at it and think it's not the big deal because you can buy it once you're 21. Really? Tobacco. And I know there's people in here that use tobacco. I know you dip. I know you chew. I know a lot of you smoke. But I'm going to tell you this, regardless of how you look at it, it may not send you to hell, but I'm telling you, when it becomes addictive, it is a problem. And it owns you instead of you owning it. And that's where, in our lives, you know, Paul said everything is permissible, but not everything's beneficial. And there's a lot of things we allow in that are completely detrimental to us. Not just to us in our spiritual walk, but also to us in our physical walk. Let me continue. Uh, pornography is one of the most common, rampant things that is accessible to every one of us every day of our lives. And it doesn't always have to be on a website. You can watch television, and there's things just on there. Pornography is there's mild, there's a, a extensive. But just the fact that, I'm going to give you, for instance, the girls who do the uh, lingerie show. Sorry, what's that? Victoria's Secret. Men, we have no business with that on in our house. Now, if you women want to go in there because you're made like that or you want to look like that, go watch it. Us guys, we have no business seeing that. We don't because we are visual already. That's how we are. That's how God made us. We have a, a visual issue. So when we see things, we notice. And that's something that becomes so, so consuming upon men. And it isn't just men. It's women just as well, but it's wrong. And it's something that becomes addictive, and it's something that would own you. Food is ad addictive. Tobacco. Gambling. And gambling is something I hit on a little bit earlier, but it's so winked at, like it's not a big deal. But friend, it's just as addictive as these other things. And when we mention drugs, we always think of, we go to the extremes. And, and you know, absolutely, meth is, a, is a something that controls people. And, and, and pain pills and, and, and any type of opiates and, and whatever. But it's not just those. I mean, a lot of people come to church every week, but they cannot function 
because they're always going to the doctor to get something else. They want Klonopin or they want this or they want that. And they're always looking for something to make them not feel or to make them feel better about everything. And I'm not saying there isn't a place for prescriptions. But we are living in a day where prescription pills are absolutely psychotic in the way that we are taking them as believers and as humans. It has nothing to do with you're a Christian or not. These things are dominating people. And you think, well, what do I do then, friend? You've got to go to a doctor that you can talk to honestly and say, I've got to get off some of this junk. I've got to get off some of this stuff. I'm taking 23 pills a day, and I don't even know what they all do. But I can tell you this, pills are not candy, and pills are not always your answer. They're just not. At times they are, but many times they aren't. I'll be honest, I take a lot of ibuprofen. Do I like it? Absolutely not. Okay, there's no side effects of those, I know, but still. Uh, so I just wrote things down. Prescription pills that we think is, well, doctor gave it to me. It doesn't justify it. Uh, food. And, you know, I've already slammed myself about the food deal. But I will tell you this. Food is an issue. It is an issue. Now, I'm not trying to offend anyone. Tobacco, gambling, drugs, alcohol, Internet, phones, pornography. These are things that don't, that don't just affect you but they affect everybody else around you. If you've ever been around anyone who's had a lifestyle of something that demands a lot of money, whether it's alcohol or drugs, there's always what? An excuse. Why? There's always a reason. And, 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 and if they are using, anytime you ask them a question, they're not going to tell you the truth. They're going to tell you what? A lie. I remember one of my oldest son's favorite words. There was a family, he was a time in his life, he'd been straight for a little while and, and whatever, and, and these people came to her house and said, what, what do we need to do with our daughter? You know, she's messed up, and she never tells the truth, and I remember Tyson saying this so vividly. My wife and I were in the living room, and he looked at him and says, if they are using, they are lying, period. doesn't matter who you are. If you use, you lie, because you don't want anybody to find out. We're afraid. We think we can keep it covered forever, but it won't be. And this isn't about this. This is about this. Because you don't have to live with that appetite out of control. We don't have to live with that addiction owning us. We just don't. Addiction is out of control behavior that is based on what always what I want. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Is Walker in here? He's asleep. Is Maisie in here? No, she's not. I know the other two are gone. I'm trying to look for a little one that won't cry if I hold them. Who's got a little one that won't cry if you brought your little one to me? Anybody? Okay, bring me a walker. Hand it to me this way, because I ain't coming down the steps, I'll fall with him. Okay. Well, this is Walker. My grandson, he is out, and he's snorting, and he's amazing. When we get bigger, you know, did you hear that? Um, when we get bigger, we're not as appealing to the eye. We get older, things change, our hair falls out, our knees hurt, we lose 
some of our elasticity, some of our old abilities. But do you know what's so awesome about God? Is that God sees me today the same way I see Walker. And in your life and my life, when we come to church and we hear a message like this, it isn't real comfortable and it's a little awkward and it could be offensive and it's not meant to be at all. But we begin to think that God looks at us because we're big and ugly and gross or whatever. That's not the case. He looks at me and you just like I'm looking at Walker. He is out of it, mouth wide open. Drool's probably been running for quite a while. But I love him. And this little boy, decisions he makes, places he goes, whatever he does, he'll still be loved. And this morning, regardless of your addiction, regardless of your appetite, the Lord that we serve still loves you. You are critical to him. And he loves you enough for you to understand you don't have to live the way you've lived. We come to church and we hear these messages. But many times we still live, leave frustrated. Because well, what do I do? How do I get through this? How can this change? We've done something for years. Honey, we're giving back to you. No offense, Linda and Layton and Randa, but We've done something here for years at this church, and it was before I ever got here and became here as pastor. His pants are undone. Okay. Uh, and it was called Food Bank. And the reasons that we give, give food, we've done it now for 15 years. We've passed thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars through our food bank ministry. It's because people have needs and they have need of food. But something we've never done is what we're doing Thursday. That we have people that come through these doors every week. And we've had thousands of people come through and they have needs that they're afraid to talk about. They're afraid that they're the weird one or they're the one that does something and nobody else does. And friends, we serve a God who loves us in the middle of our wrong appetites and he loves us right in the midst of our addictions. I'm going to close with the book of James. In James chapter 1 and verse 12 it says this. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, with which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. There is something about learning to endure and get through the temptation. Not a one of us are going to be so delivered in our walk with Christ that we're not going to be tempted. Somebody may still tick you off. Somebody still may approach you. Somebody may still proposition you. I remember us taking a men's fishing trip years ago, and, and we were down in a Pensacola, Florida area, and, and there was, we was in a La Quinta Inn motel, and, and there was women that propositioned a couple of our guys. Now, let me tell you, could they have fallen? Well, they could have, but they didn't. You see, that's the thing with every one of our lives. We could continue in that old hunger, but we don't have to. And then we could fall to that temptation, but we don't have to. I'm going to give you one more scenario. It's in Luke 15. The thing that happens in Luke 15 is there's a young man. And he is like a lot of us. He had a lot given to him, but he wanted to go out and do what he wanted. If you have ever been an addict, and you're here this morning, alcohol, drugs, whatever it is, running wild, going crazy, going to Vegas, spending it all. If somebody gave you $4 million and you could go do whatever you want, within one year, that $4 million would what? Be gone. Now the potential of that $4 million was to change your life. 
but your appetite was in a way that it couldn't. This man, this young boy in the book of Luke chapter 15, he got half of his day, he got his inheritance and he went out, and the scripture says he went out and squandered it. He didn't squander it on hamburgers and Twinkies and ice cream. He didn't do that. He squandered it on any kind of loose living he could get involved with. But the difference about him is in what we read in James 1. He recognized something. He said, it's, it's time for change. And he had to recognize it. Then he had to repent. He had to go through a whole series of things in his mind before it could ever change. And friend, the reason this church is here is because of people. That's it. But we want you to live successfully. And we want to encourage you. We want you to gather in here. We want to gather with you and encourage you with whatever the bomb is. Whatever the thing is in your life that is blowing your life apart, causing things to be dysfunctional. We want to pray with you and teach and sit down and get through this. Because sometimes we feel like we're the only one that has this issue, but you're not. There's others right here. We have women who come here, men who come here, and they have family members that are completely opposite into the spectrum from them. But they're faithful. And they still get discouraged. We're going to pray.